Okay, with Ed Axelrod, Keep Cool, Fortifying British Columbia is the short film played at the Science and Nature Film Festival. One question, it's, uh, are you in, you, you in uh, British Columbia right now? No, I'm actually based in Montreal. Oh, gotcha. Because it's we were doing this podcast at ten o'clock in the morning. I thought that if you're in you're, you're in British Columbia, it would be very very early for you. So, so you're you you work in in you're based in Montreal. Yes, exactly. I'm based out in Montreal, and so we flew out there because we have a project there, as we do in many other locations. But that was um, it was just simply a trip of making it out there. So let's give people a background because, of course, there's a lot to talk about with your with your fantastic film. Is it you work as an editor? Like you kind of do like trailers and in, in, uh, promotional videos for a living? Yeah. So that's my history. Um, I, I came from the TV promo world and I used to work, uh, you know, I, I was working with TV agencies um, for, for various, you know, like you got your HBOs and your Nat Geos and, and Amazons, things like that. Um, so I worked with them. Um, as part of a vendor back in New York when I was living there. And um, that kind of informed my style a little bit. And so now I'm working for One Tree Planted, which is a global uh, tree planting organization. Um, and so I'm an in-house editor and producer with them uh, as part of the video department that we have. And so here I do the same thing as well sometimes. I do some promos and trailers depending on what the needs are, but I'm also doing these sort of like documentary stories, mostly short form, some educational stuff. Um, and this was sort of our, our first big attempt. And for me, my also personally, my first big attempt at making something a bit more long form. Um, and, and we chose this project, which is very appropriate because it's our biggest, it's our first, you know, big project um, that we've started working with, you know, several years ago now when, when the organization was still pretty small. Um, so, so that's kind of how it got here. So this is your, that, that was my follow-up question, but it, it seems to be like a could a bit of a, from a, a average viewer's perspective, like a little bit of like a corporate kind of trailers to like, you're working for this kind of like, I wouldn't call it grassroots, but it's kind of like a, an environmental kind of, uh, in, uh, industry. It's kind of like, it seems like a bit of a, a shift for yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, I got lucky to to find this type of work, but I, I love trailer editing and I absolutely loved working with television. The material is amazing. Um, and some of the stuff that you can craft from that is, you know, it's just so much fun. Um, but of course, you know, in the end, I, I did want to come to Canada. That was another dream of mine that was personal. And so that was part of the decision. Uh, but I've always wanted to work on on something related to environmental storytelling. You know, that's a subject I've always been interested in. And I wanted to try to see what happens. You know, can you bring some of that that sort of faster paced kind of trailer like style into something like an environmental film? Um, and how can you keep that up? Is it possible to make it, you know, a bit more? I don't know what the word is, I guess, like kind of edge of your seat style, you know, sort of like the way you feel watching trailers. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but at the same time, that a trailer is a sprint. This is more of a marathon, right? Where it's like you got to pace it. There's got to be a certain tone. You can't be too fancy with the camera, too fancy with the camera movement, because then the audience is going to get lose the perspective, I guess, right? It's that fine balance. Exactly. Yeah, no, that was a, a challenge. And I think I actually think I overdid it a little bit. I think this is the most I could do, you know, this 30 minute runtime, um, uh, because, you know, you, you can't tire out the viewer either. Yeah. Uh, Exactly. And so I really well, yeah, just wanted the running analogy, right? So, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I wanted to experiment with the style and to see if it's possible to kind of bring that kind of thing to life. But in the future, I think I'm going to try to dial it back a little bit and use it more sparingly and try to have a bit more of a, a balance so that you can feel that, you know, if you're watching a film, especially if it's any longer than this, um, you know, you got to have some breathers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. But you really know how to grab the audience because you really did in this film where like you grabbed like, yeah, like the one interview with the gentleman, but then you kind of like, you got you spliced the news the news footage and kind of gave and, and made the made the audience understand exactly where we are. The interesting thing about you moving to Canada is that because there's been so much news about like the LA or like the, the California uh uh the California fires, but there's not as much and I'm Canadian and I live in Canada. Oh, really? Not as much news. Where, where are you based? What's that? I'm in Toronto. I live in Toronto. Okay. So not as much news from from a from a Canadian viewer as much as I I got tons more uh, uh, California news footage than I did in, in British Columbia. Yeah, that's, no, that, I think that's also part of my motivation here too. I mean, we yeah. we work with, in California as well. We also have projects there, and we we did actually do a you know we did do a, a sort of YouTube video series about those fires as well uh, in the past. But I I think people kind of forget that there's huge fires happening in British Columbia and Canada. Like it doesn't really make it into the news cycle very That's much. Point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, and they're comparable. I mean, and that, that fire season was huge, you know, the 2017, 2018 that the film talks about. Um, so, you know, I'm glad to be able to bring some kind of, you know, attention to that, but there's no, it's not a competition, you know, every disaster is, is horrific. And, and I think there's amazing people working to restore the damage in every region. Um, but for sure, I think, you know, it's worth knowing that, yeah, there's there's more than um, California that's that's suffering from these, yeah. you know, climate effects out, out in North America, at least. There's a, it's the media budget, right? Where it's like there's Americans like they, it's a business, <laughs> whereas the Canadians kind of media platform is more of a socialistic kind of government funded kind of business in a sense. Right. They trust me, CTV and they're they're making they're making money, but it's not as profound as in the States. So therefore, we miss out on a lot of stories that probably we should re be receiving in Canada. But that's like, I don't know, you're, you just moved to Canada. I don't know if you see that perspective. Yeah, maybe not as much as as you're, you have experience with, um, because I just haven't like grown up watching, you know, uh, Canadian TV channels or anything. But I think, you know, the stories are out there for sure. And I, I, I do see that there are news reports and stuff like that. But I think, yeah, the collective sort of cultural consciousness when it comes to wildfires seems to be attached to the places like California, um, you know, but even within the U.S., there's, other, you know, Colorado gets wildfires that are massive, you know, like so there's definitely, um, you know, but the California stuff is pretty, pretty drastic. So I, I can understand why, you know, that can take over a lot of the time. Yeah. So it's the American kind of like you know the Big Brother kind of uh, point. So yeah, it's interesting because yeah. you're 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 um, you're you're Ukrainian, correct? Yeah, yeah, originally, yeah. So you so then you lived in the New York City, and now you live in Canada. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you have an interesting perspective. So it's like it, it's uh, you have an interesting point of view because you kind of seen it from from afar, and then you now you live in both countries. All right, so now, so I just wanted to make that point because I found it interesting. But yeah, fantastic! Like you're obviously you're it's a it's a fantastically edited uh, film. Anybody who watches your film, thank you. Can see that. So, but I'm curious about the process. Okay, so you have this project, you want to make it, and so what is your what is your first step? Do you write it like a kind of loose based script, kind of figuring out the bullet points of what you want to tell, 
Do you go out and interview people, didn't find the story from there? I'm just curious what your process was in putting it together. Yeah, I mean, this particular film was especially haphazard because I really was not planning on it on being this long. It was originally supposed to be like a three to five minute sort of short documentary video, like most of the other things we do. Um, so I didn't really do much pre-production at all. I actually just went out there almost on a whim, you know, got got the trip approved um, to go out there and meet them. And uh, But even if I was planning it a bit further, um, you know, I typically just start out with a list of sort of relatively general questions that I can approach people with, um, you know, within the space. And I tend to, when I conduct my interviews, you know, I come up with some follow-ups on the fly. And in the end, a lot of the story comes out in the edit for me. So I kind of start to discover common threads among the subjects mm -hmm. as I interview them. But I tend not to go in with too much of a an, an idea, you know, before I, I shoot. I don't want to kind of lock myself into a narrative or into some specific okay. points um, that I want to build it around unless there's like, you know, I know I want to bring this up and so and so. But um, but yeah, for sure, it's it's more of an improvisation for me. And a lot of it just happens in post. Um, in this case, it was we didn't even know how many people we were going to see when we got there. You know, our partners, Zanzibar, were, you know, incredibly um, gracious and and sort of taking us on this tour around this these forest uh you know, the various sites that they're planting in and some of the damaged sites. And we met a lot of these people that I wasn't even, you know, I couldn't prepare specific questions ahead of time. I wasn't even sure because uh, people are sometimes they're, they're working, right? We all met them in their workplace and they could be busy. Sometimes they're not around or they're just like out on another site somewhere. So it was very hard to plan. Um, and I expect in the future, it'll be a combination of sort of this and, and a little bit more planning because I do think I should do some more planning. But I was very happy that I was able to find a story because, you know, when I came back um, to the edit and uh, I, I had so many great interviews and I didn't necessarily have a lot of footage that I could fill everything in with, um, especially for certain places like, you know, when we interviewed the mayor of Quinell, I didn't really expect being able to do that at all. So we didn't really have like a lot of Quinell footage. Um, so that was kind of a challenge. But and then when we when we went back the next summer and that's when I was like, OK, well, we need to get a couple of extra interviews and we need to get some like a lot more footage to be able to fill this stuff in. The main person that we missed in the first trip was the the chief of the Nazca tribe. Um, you know, she was a really important perspective and I wanted to make sure that we we have a chance to speak with her. So I went back. Um, we went back and, and she was like the main reason, um, and then obviously gathering more footage and stuff like that. So at that point, once I've had some, some time to spend with it, I could tell, all right, what's missing? What do we might maybe need to go back for? Uh, but again, this was kind of like a unique thing. I think in the future should try to plan everything ahead so I can hopefully get everybody that I need. But if you're going for a week or something like that yeah. to, to out to an area, some people might not be around, you know, keep pieces of the story. So having those two shoots um, was really helpful. So, yeah, you got some great interviews and the framing of it as well. But it's like you got some kind of key interviews. You got the two people, the the it's almost like the theoretical person in the office chatting about about your your thematic and then the person on the the lady on the ground. Right. Yeah, it was to kind of set up your film. Right. And then you kind of get the two. Well, 10 minutes in, you get to like. You establish Tony, who kind of like in these these really interesting characters, right? Who uh -huh. like know so much and they seem to be doing good things. Like they seem 
like from the point of view of like the interviews, like they're like they seem to be like altruistic good people who are trying to to like help the world make a better place. Yeah, that no, I, that's yeah. that's exactly. It. Well, first of all, I was going to say like it's true. I kind of ended up structuring it once I come back to the edit in this sort of hierarchical way, like kind of top to bottom of the ladder in a way. Yeah. You know, from the macro perspective of somebody who is in charge of a whole town down to the individual tree planter and how much is involved in that chain of, you know, like decision makers and, and, and laborers. But, yeah. but like the, the inspiration ultimately came from the people themselves. And, you know, like you said, they're all such interesting characters and they really are like everybody I met were really amazing, knowledgeable people who truly, you know, believed in the work they're doing. Of course, there's, you know, some bureaucracy involved. It is sure. a government, partially a government, um, you know, initiative, but they're working with like this private company and, you know, there's all this collaboration happening. There's the First Nations involved. So there's a lot of like complexity into how to actually like even conduct this work um, for them that they have to figure out. But ultimately, everybody's interests are like relatively aligned and and they all just want to restore this land. Um, and so, yeah, I think I was just very inspired by that. And I think there's a lot of people like this in practically every field and every profession that has to do with, you know, any sort of uh, restoration work or engineering or any kind of like, you know, we, we just don't hear about a lot of these professionals um, who work in all these various fields that keep our world running um, mm -hmm. and, and clean up the mess that happens as a result of whatever disasters occur or sometimes our own actions. Um, but, you know, we, we don't we don't know that much about them. We know about the doctors and we know about, you know, the businessmen and women, but we, we don't really think about the foresters very much, but they're out there and they're doing like amazing yeah. work and they're all really cool people and, and they know a lot of stuff. So that's kind of what I wanted to get across. No, and you 100% get it across. I always find these people are so amazing because they, they, they do such, like they care so much about the environment. And of course it's just a documentary and you can edit, but it's like, it's almost like they, 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 these, if I were these people, I'd be so frustrated with, <laughs> so many people in the world don't give a crap and they don't even believe in things it's like but for them it's like they don't even think about that like if i've been fortunate enough to interview people like yourself and and watch the, all these amazing films and it's like and they just they just they're just their job is just to, like they're they're so focused on on helping i guess and then and, and they, they care they they love their job as well and they they they're they're very kind of curious people individuals as well that's my that's what i see yeah. I, I agree with you. I think, well, I, I think that they've all probably come to terms with like the reality of the world in their own ways, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think they ultimately love their environment and they, they're, you know, in many cases, these professionals are local, right? They don't have to, you know, they're not necessarily thinking about how to solve the whole world, but yeah. they are doing, they're making a difference in their own environment, which I also find interesting because we don't think about the local level work that often you know we try and focus on the big picture so much especially in popular media but to that point though not particularly in this film but i did i have met pe people who are relatively conservative and and you know engaging in environmental activities in their communities um to protect their lands to to kind of you know improve the resilience of the lands that they're around so i think that you know when it comes to like the people who are denying this problem and things like that honestly you know, whatever those reasons are, I do believe that this is a very much a universal thing. I think everybody deep down, you know, cares about at least their immediate environment and wants to take care of it. Nobody wants to live in, you know, a post-apocalyptic wasteland, right? Like we, we all want to try to take care of our surroundings and our communities. 
And part of that comes from taking care of, you know, just the nature that's around you. And so I think that even if the sort of global political kind of conversation is so messy nowadays, I do think that there are many more people than we might realize who care about their environment and who want to make it better and, and who do this in different ways, sometimes without even directly engaging in the political side of things. And, and I think that those people are, are doing good work as well. So I, I, I do believe that, you know, it, it shouldn't be such a, such a kind of contentious issue. And I think, yeah. you know, well, I, I guess I mean, the, the issue is that, is that people start to care when they, when they have to care, when there's like, when there's a forest sure. fire and they're, you know, and their whole area gets burned down, that's when they start caring, right? Not not preventing that. They could have prevented that to happen like 10 years before. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, that's that's absolutely true as well. And, <laughs> and for sure, there's a collective sort of dissonance happening, I think. But um, still, it's it was still encouraging to see people taking care of their inv- immediate environments and, 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 you know, being conscious of that. Um, but yeah. So you interview like some amazing people and you're really it's it's uh, it's it's really cool how you set it up. Have these people watched this film? Have they watched your film? You know, actually, not everybody has yet. Um, well, so we are going to host a virtual screening very soon. We kind of weren't really sure what to do for a while because we we were thinking of having a, you know, a, a screening for most of them in, in British Columbia, for example, because um, I kind of wanted the experience for them to see it with their peers and yeah. not just kind of sending them a link. Um, and so far it's been kind of making its way through its festivals, so we can't really make it public, but we are thinking of hosting, uh, maybe a virtual screening and inviting all of them and, and, and like their, you know, colleagues and so on and so forth so that people can kind of see it in a community setting, but it'll be virtual. So we don't have to, you know, be stuck to a single location. So, so yeah, not everybody has seen it yet. Um, our partners at Zanzibar have seen it and, you know, they, they were there for our premiere. Um, but there are most of the people interviewed have not yet seen it. So I actually am really excited to hear what they think. Um, and I'd love to have them all kind of together in a place and then hopefully answer some questions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm also excited to know that, you know, people who watch this film, especially, you know, seeing the, the responses from your festival, um, from the audience, like recognizing what they're doing and kind of having, you know, having that, knowledge now of what work happens and being inspired by it i think they'll they'll love to hear that you know this film is now making its way through some audiences and and yeah and making a little bit of an impact what did you think about because you just mentioned it what did you think about what we sent to the audience what did you think about what our audience had to say about your film yeah, i really loved receiving that like i said in the in the in the written email like this is the first time i've heard complete strangers react to my film um and what really struck me is the fact that people seem to to really recognize like the the specific aspects of the film that i wanted them to try and hopefully feel like they they saw that this was like you know there's the music was like really present and kind of a driving force that they liked that um they appreciated all the different characters and and how you know how knowledgeable but concise uh, you know i tried to make a lot of these interviews um, and just like the overall editing style of it, everybody seemed to to agree that it kept them engaged. So, yeah, I was, you know, very, very flattered and, and really happy to hear that people enjoyed it. Um, and, and some people found it, you know, sort of unique. Um, so, yeah, I love this format. Really cool. I'd love to someday actually speak to, to people in person. Yeah. Um, sure. Seeing a film somewhere, you know, like in the space. Um, but, yeah, very, very rewarding um, to 
to see. Yeah, I'm sure you'll get you'll get that opportunity as well. Other festivals do the Q and A, and I'm sure that because people, it's a very engaging engaging film. So just for the process, because I you know we just talked about the interviews, but you got some amazing aerial shots in your film. <laughs> There's like one shot that's like maybe about 11, 12 minutes in, where you have the shot of the forest, and you have like the green, and then you have the green forest, and you kind of move the camera up, and then you see the destruction. Like yeah. you see the beauty of the forest trees and then you kind of move it up and it's like, and it, it really puts things in perspective and you're kind of moving the camera and you keep going back to that. So that's sort of my, my um, long winded air uh, um, um, compliment to you, but I'm just curious, like, where did you guys, how did you guys find, get those, 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 those amazing aerial shots? So that was just me flying it. And I, I did yeah, not know. How... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was doing I was doing all the aerial photography except for the Quinnell shots, which we had to um, borrow from a, another filmmaker. But uh, the the really silly thing is that I did not know how to fly a drone before I went out on this shoot. Like I bought the drone for this shoot, and I've never flown one before. Um, but I just instantly fell in love with it. Like having that perspective of seeing, like especially being out there, because normally when you get a drone, where do you have to practice? Like a park or maybe like whatever like outside the city. It's it's cool, but I, I got to try this like while I was out there and seeing this this incredibly beautiful, but also like devastated environment. Um, and so, yeah, I just had to practice and kind of literally learn on the fly. But after the first day or so, I started to get the hang of it. And um, for me, I think I, I really love aerials, if you couldn't tell. Like, I, I love mm -hmm. using them to introduce an environment, to punctuate um you know a point or to punctuate just like the general scale of things it helps to you know to like you said to see the scope of it and and you know it's hard to visualize just how how massive this whole situation is if you aren't there and even if you are there right you're on the ground but yeah. i got to see you fly it up and see for myself and yeah but i i love I love getting drone footage. I, you know, I love trying to get movement and, you know, I, I using the zoom, fun zoom functionality to get more of a dramatic feeling to kind of wrap the film around in this kind of big sort of big feeling like atmosphere that, you know, this is a, a whole place, a whole region. And these are the people who are a part of it. Um, and also funny thing, I, the the film happened to pick up a best drone award just recently at a, a festival in France. <laughs> it's funny the world that we live in, and the, the the 2020s. There's drone awards now. I got. I know. Well, I appreciated that they had that category because I was like, oh man, you know, I love doing this. Maybe maybe I'll get lucky, and they uh, they did choose it. So I thought that was great. It, it is <laughs> pretty good. fantastic, but it, it sets up your narrative. You you kind of alluded in the beginning where like it's like you're looking at the macro of like you got the you got the the, the the politician and then you're looking at the macro perspective then you get you get in the ground right you literally get in the ground like you got yeah. you got close-ups of tree planting right and then you kind of then like then you go up in the air and it's like you're always kind of like juxtaposing the 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 ground yeah, into yeah. The, yeah so the macro to the micro i guess right exactly that's the whole theme of the film i think and you know yeah. with the interview subjects as well like i mentioned earlier um and i i'm glad i had all the tools i needed to to kind of help to facilitate that contrast and perspective. Um, but, you know, I, I couldn't imagine this film without the drone shots. Like there wouldn't be much for me to, you know, I, I would have, I wouldn't have enough footage for, for everything. And it wouldn't, it would be very hard to illustrate um, where we are and, and the scale of the damage and the beauty of, of the area as well. And 
And there's so much diversity in British Columbia, by the way. Like, it's not just all forests. You know, there, there's this canyon that you saw some shots of that we were driving through. Um, you know, there's tons of different environments and it's a huge province and it's very beautiful. So you, did you have some trial and error with the drone uh, footage? Yeah, yeah. My first shots were were not great. <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, it just takes a little bit of getting used to and having that sort of keeping that smooth motion going for like 20, 30 seconds. Um, uh, but I was happily when I came back for the second shoot, I felt even more comfortable. And that's where I felt quite like, you know, I could I could get the stuff I really wanted. Um, but no, yeah, it took a little bit of practice. And I was very nervous because, you know, also like we got lucky with the weather because it does rain there a lot. Mm. Um, and so I wasn't even sure if I could fly the drone at all. And, um, you know, there were there was one moment when I thought I lost all my footage on it, like the first shoot. It's so it was it was quite a, it was quite an experience, but I'm really glad. And by the way, like that one most valuable shot that I've ever shot in my whole life, I think, was that tree falling when they uh, they they cut it down for us, um, yeah. the the nature tree crew. That was so stressful because I was I was I didn't know exactly when they were going to be finished with it, so I was just flying a drone back and forth in this like kind of aerial rotation orbit, you know, movement, and and I didn't know exactly when the moment was going to come. So when it happened, I like kind of shuddered, you know, in nervousness and I almost screwed up the shot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. the, so the production company is one tree planted, correct? Yeah. So we're, you know, we're, we're not a production company, but in this case, that's essentially what we were. Sorry. Yeah. I got, well, they, they're kind of there, but you, are you guys going to be making more films? Like what's the, because you said it's not a production company. What is the, the kind of the agenda with uh, one tree planted? So One Tree Planted is a global nonprofit that plants trees all over the world. So we basically facilitate um, the, the uh, we, we have a lot of different planting partners across the world, like Zanzibar is an example in British Columbia. And we work with them to help um, help fundraise for their work. And so, you know, this is everywhere from Canada to Africa to Australia. We've got projects all over the place. Um, and yeah, we make we regularly produce um, short films or just various kinds of videos. Sometimes it's like vlogs and things like that um, to highlight these projects. And um, you know, but then we also have some really big, uh, amazing stories that we want to tell in a in a bit of a more longer format. So Keep Cool was kind of the first real attempt at this. And then in the future, you know, we've got plenty to draw from. But we have huge initiatives in Africa. We have huge initiatives in Australia. So some some interesting um you know potential contenders there for for big big films like this but we also you know we hire out local crews to go shoot in various countries for our various projects and we get the footage back from them edit you know five six minute videos out of that so you know we do have a whole youtube channel there's there's a lot of other work out there like this um most shorter format but yeah, so it's, we plant trees um, and anybody can donate, by the way, any, you know, we work with businesses, but also just individuals can go on the website and pick a region they'd like to help um, restore. Uh, but uh, as part of our activities, we also try to do a lot of promotion to help, you know, these partners and these projects um, be seen. And so one of the ways we do that is through video. Yeah, and if you have a good, it's a nice website, and you can, people can donate on it, and you have a good social media following on uh, Instagram. Yeah, we have an amazing social and marketing team. <laughs> so yeah, I was just gonna say whoever's doing it, they're doing they're doing a pretty good job. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let them know. <laughs> yeah. They they are for sure. Yeah.
So yeah, so that are you what, what so what about yourself then? Are you gonna be making more films for for them? Like I see, like you definitely I, I know you're just starting out, but I see like some feature film, feature documentaries in you. Like Yeah, I would love to reach that point. I mean it's entirely like that's sort of the plan. Um, you know, it that's uh these things are a huge challenge. So I don't a hundred percent know. Like, am I cut out for a feature yet? Um, but I think I would like to try. I think with a little bit more planning um you know maybe it's possible um and frankly i mean i guess you know if a feature if you say if you call it 45 minutes like you cool wasn't terribly far off so it's not impossible to get there um but of course you know anything beyond that hour and a half i mean it's still hard for me to picture uh, creating a film like that yeah. but we have there's so many places that are so interesting that we work with and you know i'm excited to to plan the next thing and to travel somewhere and, and work on this. Um, but yeah, that's the plan. You know, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I work with, uh, we, we have a whole team now um, in our video department in house, but we produce a lot of stuff for like social media and for the YouTube channel. And so taking out time and budget for a big project like this, you know, is kind of a whole, like a kind of a separate thing. Like we have to plan ahead. We have to make sure that, you know, all of our other needs are fulfilled because if I'm going out to film or edit something so big, I'll be kind of yeah. unavailable for most of that process. So, you know, it, it's going to take a little bit of planning, but for sure we want to do it again. We, we really had a great time premiering this at Climate Week um, back in September. And, and, you know, we want to do something like that again with a new film perhaps this year. So for sure, that's that's kind of the plan. But but these projects are more donations. Are, more people got to don't know about the know about it and donate and and uh, so because there's a feature film yeah. in the context of what you guys do, right? Like you going to oh, different absolutely. countries and seeing different different perspective, different cultures, but then the unity of everybody of what you're doing. There's a, there's like there's an easily a feature film in in this context, right? So yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the amount of stories that could be told, it's endless, truly endless. It's really it's just a matter of being able to physically do that. That's, so so that's, yeah, that's basically the point, yeah. right? Yeah. You got yeah. money and time, I guess, are the two are the two drawbacks, right? Yeah. And and motivation to some degree as well, because these are these can get so challenging. And I mean, keep cool was, you know, it, it ground me down to 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 my soul. <laughs> like finishing that film was, you know, a very, a very like uh, morally challenging project project for sure. Gotcha. But yeah, but if you have more, more of a, of a, like a backing, you know what I mean? Like it, it eases your, your stress a little bit. Too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I did, I did myself no favors with, with kind of like this very short pre-production process we had and, and having no idea what I was going into. That's what you learned. And you did a drone by yourself. Seems like this was a very educational film for you. Exactly. Yeah. I, I do feel that way. I got to test myself in every possible way um and i think hopefully next time i'll be a bit more smart about how i approach certain things cool um i also want to say uh you know i i was really lucky to have some great cinematographers with me um people who work with me is uh, everett bumstead and matthew tallarico they helped me a lot because i'm not a very good cinematographer i'm focused more on editing mm -hmm. so for me going out to shoot is always kind of a, a big like you know I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of that like on my own um, so having people, uh, you know, who can really talented camera operators to, to help me get that great footage was really crucial. Yeah, there's a nice visual design too. Like what we said, dude, like you, like the way you get on the ground and you do like, yeah, lots of camera movement. Yeah, they, it's a very, very good, good shooting. And even the staging yeah. of, the, of the interviews. 
very very like cinematic. thank you that I, that was my i was like i want people to be like front and center you know i want them to yeah. feel like I, i'm not a huge fan of like the side sort of you know medium third shot like yeah i wanted this, this different feeling that they're speaking to you like you know kind of like that yeah yeah all right so let's talk again on when you make your next film because i'm looking forward to see what we do next absolutely thank you so much it was great chatting with you thanks man one two three four five